0: This podcast is brought to you by King's Council Coaching. The mission of the King's Council is to help you discover, develop, and deploy your God given talents and abilities. In order to leave a legacy, you need to live your legacy of excellence through the five power pillars mental, emotional, physical physical, spiritual, and financial. Now, our programs are specifically designed to give you the blueprint and strategies that you need to gain an edge in the most important areas of your life. If you're an entrepreneur ready to upgrade your finances and align yourself with other powerful, kingdom-minded men and women, visit kingscouncilcoaching.com to start your legacy of excellence today.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Chosen Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Spittler, Director of Member Relationships here at the King's Council. And this week, we have Joe Sheraldo joining us. Joe, so great to have you.
2: So great to be here, Caleb. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate the invite.
1: Joe, we always joke around with you that you have a, a Southern accent. Is that what I'm picking up there? Yeah, like
2: I told you last time, it's uh, South Queens. South Queens, (laughs) New York, yeah. That's
1: right. And you've been in New York your whole life, right?
2: Whole life, born and raised in Astoria, Queens. They used to call me Astoria Joe growing up. They still do. Lived in Astoria my whole life. I actually lived in Manhattan for a little bit, moved back to Astoria, and then found love, got married, and now I'm out in Long Island, in Babylon, so...
1: Excellent. Well, I'm excited for this episode. Really, the goal of this episode, I think a lot of people like myself have been able to connect with you, grown in some measure of friendship with you, but might not know your whole story. So, we're going to jump into your story on this episode. Why don't we start off with you telling us how you came to be a part of King's Council? What really drew you to it in the first place?
2: I was telling the people, like, yeah, it was COVID. So, one of the good things that came out of COVID was I was stuck at home. I was kind of miserable going through my computer and looking on Facebook. And that whole week I was getting like King's Council things. I was like, skip. Yeah. All right. What is this? Whatever. Another coaching program. Okay. And then one day they caught my eye, fit Christians, entrepreneurs. And I was like, okay, you know, let me look into this. So you guys had, I believe it was like a two day speaking event. And Michael Strahan was on it. Dr. Oz, Jesse Itzler. It was really powerful. It was really good. It wasn't catchy. They weren't trying to even though in my mind, I'm like, all right, when's the sale coming? When's the pitch? When's the pitch? Oh, we get them in the door, and then we just hook, line, and sinker. And even though I was thinking that, they had an event in Jersey. I believe it was like last June. The CEO of The Life event, and that was over in Jersey. So I was like, all right, forget it. You know, what do I have to lose? So I had to like convince my wife, hey, I'm going to go to this other thing. And I was telling her I was going there, which I kind of was. I was trying to grow my e-commerce business. I was like, maybe I could find like-minded Christians who want more out of life. So when I got there, at first, the vibe was very cool. Everyone was very welcoming. So I was like, okay, this is good. And then once it started, man, boom, right from out of the gate, it was awesome. I mean, the content was very good between Scott and Riley. Christian's story was so compelling. Al, like everybody. I've been around multiple coaching groups, and I've been to these sessions, and There was something about the King's Council which was different, right? And now I'm actually realizing what it was. You know, when people talk about that, how the Holy Spirit moves, that was like Greek to me. You know, I grew up Catholic. I was an altar boy, 12 years of Catholic school, never really had a relationship with Christ or even the Bible, never read the Bible. And it was so funny because before I saw the CEO of your life or even the King's Council, I injured my back and then I wound up getting COVID at work. So it was like a two for one deal. And I said to myself, all right, I wanna start reading the Bible. As I started to read the Bible, just lo and behold, these Christian things just started coming. I don't know if Siri's listening or whoever's listening, Google, but thank you, because it actually worked out for me. <laughs> so once I was there, the content, like I said, was so impactful and so relevant. And I could use that in any realm, in any business. I was in. And honestly, you know, the pitch came, boom. And it wasn't even that bad. And I was like, you know what? The value that they're offering is well worth it. You know, if I'm going spending five dollars for a cup of coffee at Starbucks every day, you know what I mean? Why wouldn't I put money into my education? And now my spiritual life, that was so powerful. Like I was telling some of the guys at some of the events, I've never had anyone lay hands on me and pray for me. At first I was like, What, what what's going on? Like, you know, don't touch me. Like, well, this is kind of weird. You know what I mean? <laughs> then something said, All right, Joe, just for once, shut your mouth and let's let this happen. It was pretty powerful, really powerful. I was like, oh my God, am I doing something wrong? But you had to feel so right. And it was unbelievable. It was a great experience. And ever since then, I can't even tell you the spiritual journey or the growth that has taken place in my life. And not only in my life, like in the lives of my wife, my children, other people around me, they noticed a the difference. And I have nothing but love and respect for the King's Council. And I'm not trying to like sell anything here. It's just the truth.
1: Now, obviously you're really in great shape. You're physically fit. You've had a number of successes in your life, a family man, all those things. Was there one aspect or one piece of the puzzle that you kind of felt like was missing or was it just the whole thing all A
2: hundred percent was the spiritual. The biggest takeaway for me was how they linked the Bible and the biblical teachings to entrepreneurship and how to make money and why it's not bad to make money and why God wants you to make money. The seven days of creation, I felt like I got hit by like a Mack truck. When I left, I was so mentally burnt, but yet I was so excited. I still have like made great relationships. But yeah, it was the spiritual thing. Like I said, there are a thousand, thousand coaching groups and there are a thousand coaching calls and hey, you know, are you mad enough? And I don't need that. Like I'm good. But I wasn't good spiritually. I was your typical check-the-box Catholic. Oh, did this check, did this check. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. I'll say a few prayers and go to confession, and I'll be good. But yeah, that's not the case, you know? And to be honest, that's a very tough pill to swallow, especially being, like, grown up in that environment where, wait, what are you talking about? Like, I don't, I'm not supposed to do this? Getting a lot of, like, people, like, looking at me like, uh-oh, oh what kind of cult are you in? And yet even though that's the first impression. And I probably would have had that the same to my friends. Like, uh oh, here we go. But people are realizing something's different in my life. They're very happy for me.
1: That's right. Yeah. I mean, I've had the privilege of watching some of that spiritual transformation happen in your life. I think one of the things I appreciate most about you is the way that you're willing to take that risk and ask questions and put yourself in kind of a vulnerable position, because I think whether it's myself or a lot of people around you would look at you as, okay, New York City firefighter, certainly a man's man, but then like you said, having to swallow that pill of, hey, I don't necessarily have it all together and I'm still learning as well.
2: Right, thank you. Even me being a fireman, I'm always learning. Things are always happening, things are always changing. Same thing in the world today, things are constantly changing and you have to change with it, but yet not lose the foundation
1: Absolutely. So now I'm actually really curious. You and I have talked a little bit about your story, but yeah, I'm really curious about your upbringing. I love picturing you as the altar boy. Yeah, <laughs> if I could yeah. go back in time and watch that. Give us a little overview of your backstory and your growing up years.
2: Grew up in Queens. I have a older sister, younger brother. I'm the middle child. I don't have that middle child syndrome. I say I'm the rock of the family. Yeah, I went to Catholic school my whole life, played football in high school, 2 years I played in college for Stony Brook and I had to make a choice become a fireman right they had a program it was a fire cadet program right I've always wanted to be a fireman my whole life right my uncle was a fireman I was destined for a cop or a fireman right and I actually done both of them that's what it was you grow up in the city in the east coast got to get a pension you work hard 20 years 25 years and then you try to find a good side gig somewhere and drink beers with your buddies and complain about your wife and kids that's how it was laid out for the most part so, I was playing college football, and my uncle said, Hey, listen, it's a great opportunity to become a fire cadet, but you had to go to a city school. I was 19. I was like, All right, I ain't going to the NFL. Might as well try to start my career, which was probably one of the best moves I've ever done. Became an EMT. I don't know the exact date, but it was like three weeks prior to 9 11. So, I was like 19 years old. I'm like, What's going on? I was playing college football. Now I'm in the back of an ambulance heading down to the Twin Towers. I'm like, boy, talk about a, a life change, you know? You know, and a lot of people still are still like, oh, I know. How are you feeling? I'm, I'm good. I guess everyone deals with things differently. Was it crazy? Was it an unbelievable experience? Yeah. I could go on and on about that and stuff like that. But I became an EMT for two and a half years. Then I became a cop. So I was called an MTA cop. So we did the Long Island Railroad in the Metro North, which is a very well-paid police department. But something always kept telling me, eh, I don't care about the money. I want to be a fireman, okay? So I went through EMS Academy, Police Academy. I was a cop for a year and a half, and then fire called me, fire department. So left, became a fireman, where everyone was like, what are you crazy? You're leaving all this money? What are you allergic to money? You know, but there was a passion, right? A desire, a drive. To me, best move I've ever done. It's pretty much shaped who I am. Yeah, so now I have total in the fire department, 19 years so I could retire next year. I'll be 41 years old. Who knows? We're going to see how far I go with this King's Council. In the fire department, I actually started boxing for them. I was like 30 years old. Fought in the Golden Gloves in New York 2012. I won the Golden Gloves in 2012. So I got to fight in Madison Square Garden three times, which is pretty cool. That's a funny story too, because when I was like 19 or 20, I used to do Muay Thai kickboxing. Because after football, I needed to hit somebody somehow. Now, here's another crazy part. So it was me, and growing up in a story is like the most culturally diverse, I want to say neighborhood in like the world, they said, like languages spoken in that five mile radius more there than anywhere. And so here I was, an EMT, after 9-11, training with all Muslims, Arabs, Palestinians, it was Greeks, Croatians, Yugoslavians, so it was... Talk about your melting pot. I would fight one guy from China, one guy from Japan, a guy from Africa, Egypt, Morocco. It was unbelievable. So it was a great experience, but I did that for like three years. Competed a little bit. Here I am, 30 years old. The fire department's hosting the World Police Fire Games. That's like the Olympics for cops and firemen from all over the world. New York was hosting it. I was like, all right, let me do something to represent my city. So they didn't have any kickboxing. I'm like, okay. Wrestling, I'm like, I've never wrestled before. I'm like, karate, who does karate? I'm like, boxing? I'm like, eh, let me give it a shot. I'm like, whatever. My hands are okay, I think. So I went down to the gym and started training. Kind of kept what I've learned when I was younger. Did pretty well. I had a few fights. My first fight was in San Diego in the horse track where the surf meets the turf. Kind of like a horse racing track outdoors. So I won that. And then the World Police Fire Games rolled around. And I won that. I won the gold in that. So I beat a cop from Australia, a guy from Switzerland, and another guy from Holland. So I won the gold, and then from there, they're like, oh, why don't you try the Golden Gloves? Did that, and I had to fight five times to win the Golden Gloves. It was tough, it was in Madison Square Garden, probably one of the best achievements I've done.
1: I had no idea. I know the first thing I'm gonna do as soon as we're done with this interview is to go on YouTube. Can I find videos of you boxing online?
2: Yeah, you can, you can. I was more of just like a grinder. I'd just get into your face and just, you know, keep coming forward. It's so funny, like typical fireman fashion. And here, and I'll give you like a perfect example. So here I am, I'm like 30. So my first fight was against a guy that won pretty much like the Golden Gloves, but for the city kids. Big guy just moving. He's warming up. I'm like, I got to fight this guy. So whatever, I went out and beat him. My second fight, I got sick. I had to fight the guy who he fought to win that tournament, right? Some kid from the Dominican Republic. Beat him. Third guy I fought was a guy who was training with Gleason's gym. He was a heavyweight that came down and was training with like pro trainers. Beat him. Fourth guy, army ranger. Okay, I never been hit so hard in my life. I got hit and I felt it come like right out my feet. Right. Meanwhile, this guy like crushed the first two people, like legit knockouts first round done. Wanted up beating him. Right. So I go through those four guys. So the guy I fight for the finals, of course has to be an 18 year old kid in high school, right? So now all the firemen are like, oh, would you steal the skateboard? Did his mom give him (laughs) a little note? So you go through all this, you know, to win the biggest stage and still get your chops busted. I always laugh at it. Well,
1: that's an amazing story. I had no idea. Yeah. But hey, I wanted to go back to, at one point you mentioned that for you, it wasn't just about the money. When you were making that career change, you had a passion. Talk to me about that. Like, what were you passionate about?
2: I always love to like help people. Like, I know that sounds corny and cliche, whatever, but I don't know what it was because my dad wasn't like that. My uncle was. So I like, think about it, you know, we're the busiest fire department in the world, we're the biggest cities. I'm not the epicenter of this. How do I help? How do I give back? It's the craziest thing where people are like, wait, wait, you want to do that? And I'm like, yeah. You know, it takes a certain person, maybe where I'm not all there, but do you want a really sane person doing that? I don't know. It was always just something within me. And the cool thing is, is that when I used to train, in a story across the East River is the academy. You would see them sometimes take the recruits, which are called probies, out for runs. So when I was training one day, I'd say, one day I'll be over there. One day I'll be over there training. And I am there now, actually currently teaching the fitness unit in the academy, running them, PTing them, doing that. So it's just cool how life works out.
1: Absolutely. I do want to ask you about 9-11 because, I mean, you said that your career shaped you in a lot of ways. But, I mean, this is... Obviously, one of the biggest events in world history, probably the most significant event that I can remember in my lifetime, you're 19 years old, your whole world gets flipped upside down, obviously, the city of New York, specifically your department. The entire eyes of the world are on you, essentially, and what you're doing. You're in the back of an ambulance driving downtown. Talk to me a little bit about what that was like and then even coming out of that. How did you personally heal? How did the department heal? Tell me a little bit about that.
2: So going down there, right? I know I got like woken up. I think my mom called me. She's like, put on the TV now, right? So we called up and I was like, oh my goodness. The first plane hit, I call up. My station, they're like, right, get here, get to any place as soon as possible, quick, just go. So I was flying in, blowing red lights, getting to the station, and then think the second tower got hit at that time. So we are all new. And they were like, all right. They grabbed a the whole bunch of us. You go in this ambulance. You go in this ambulance. And they just went, boom, right down, right? It's tough, right? Because everything is stopped, right? How are we getting through? How are we getting from Queens to Manhattan, now, downtown Manhattan, which is even further? So... Screaming down there, I was just kind of like in the back, like, what's going on? Like, what am I going to expect? The senior people were like, all right, kid, just stick by my side, listen up. Because they were afraid too. They had no clue what was going on. But what was good was that when you deal with people who are are experienced in that area, no matter kind of what you throw at them, they're going to be able to handle it. And luckily, I had good people with me. Boom, we got down there. And then you had to walk to the site because then that's when the second building came down. So, you know, you're dealing with all the rubble. The craziest thing is what I tell people is like, it was like walking on the moon. Everything was just covered. But then there was like an eerie silence. And I'm walking around. I'm like, what in that? I was just doing keg stands in college a few months ago. You know what I mean? And now I'm down here. Then you started hearing noises, right? Like people like screaming. We need help here. We need help there. Just massive piles of stuff. People, you know, looking for their loved ones. Crushed ambulances. Crushed cop cars. It was crazy. And The biggest thing was like, you're always waiting for that secondary or tertiary attack, whatever the case is. So they got us into different locations and it was more of like a hurry up and wait. Like, all right, let's get people here. Now we need to figure stuff out. So I probably pretty much spent like the next two days, slept down there. And the funniest thing is they were handing out these little BS masks, you know, oh, no, it's all right. The air is clean. The air is okay. And they fitted us for some like decent masks, but they only lasted like a few uses. But one of the best things that I saw down there, especially like the fire department and even the cops as well, no one cared. Honestly, no one cared what the hell they were breathing in. I'm going in and I'm digging somebody out. Like my brothers and sisters are in there. I don't care. I'll stay here all night. And that's what attracted me. All right, I need to be a fireman. You know, and it's so funny. Wow, I'm kind of getting a realization now after you just asked me this question. It's probably right then and there. I saw the camaraderie. It didn't matter. You couldn't tell them to leave. They were not leaving under any circumstance. My uncle lost like 20 friends down there. We lost two people in our EMS station. Then the firehouse I went to lost two people. I know guys working in places lost their whole companies. Imagine going to a King Council event and then losing half the event like that, you know? That probably will bring me back to your question on why I wanted to become a fireman. It's funny. I never even thought about it like that until you just asked me. One thing I look at it now, like why I'm kind of glad I got down there now and I just got to experience it. Luckily, I don't know. My lungs are still okay. Who knows what's going to happen in the future? Something may be laying dormant, whatever, which is another reason why I like to stay in shape. Like I was telling like Monica, my wife, I start seeing a lot more people who are passing away. Boom, weird cancer. Dead, dead. You ask any one of them, would they change what they've done? No way. And that's something to say. That's pretty admirable. And I also did like how like other states and other countries came down for help. It's a real cool thing for humanity. Even though I know this is Satan's realm or Satan's world, there's still goodness that came from this. So, so
1: what I heard you say is that, one, you saw people coming together. Um, but then what really impacted you was people essentially sacrificing, laying down their own lives or disregarding their own well-being for the sake of someone else. And it sounds like that's really stuck with you through these 20 years that you've been out working that call that you felt on your life.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Damn, Caleb, you're like Dr. Phil over here. I'm like...
1: (laughs) It's powerful, man. I think yeah. I think people need to hear this because I think a lot of people are looking for some kind of fulfillment in how do I take care of myself? Take care of myself. Take care of myself. And I think what you just said is so powerful in that one of the most impacting things that you ever saw was people saying, "Hey, I'm going to put my own needs behind me and I'm going to go essentially lay down my life for my fellow man or, you know, fellow woman," which I think one of the reasons that resonates with us so much is, as we talk from a Christian standpoint, is that's the gospel. Christ actually laid down His life for us, and then even we're called to lay down our lives for one another. So much honor and respect for you and really anybody in that type of service industry.
2: Yeah, thank you. You know, I appreciate it, and I'm not trying to look for any like pats on my back or accolades because whether you got it or not, you know, we're going to do it anyway. What's the proverb, right? Greater hath than a man lay down his life for his brother's life. Yes. That always resonated with me. I had a great run and had a great experience. And now, but being around all different types of entrepreneurs and how much more of an impact I could have, Mm -hmm. that's kind of exciting too. My new chapter, what's my new? Boom. I'm good at what I do. I love it. It gets me going. My network is huge. And I get to shape the new guys coming on, but I still want more. Is it kingdom building? That's one thing that the King's Council really opened my eyes to and my wife's to.
1: Even as you come into some of these new chapters, I think that's something that you're gonna take with you. I mean, that is just who you are, is that you are going to give yourself fully to helping others. So let's talk about that next chapter. What are you excited about these days? You know, when you look at five, 10, 20 years from now, what's kind of caught your attention or what are some of these new endeavors that you're excited about?
2: So my new excitement, besides my wife and kids always, is the fact that so my wife and I are going to be launching Montessori schools. It's a homeschooling method, like in any business, right? You find a need, provide a solution. So yes, we're doing that. But the best part is that we're bringing Christ into the solution. All right. So it's going to be a Christian base. We're going to teach the Bible and yet help families, All right, Because that's one thing that we saw that's kind of lacking Not just families, kids, the media, everywhere. So if we could take back our kids' innocence and kind of like show them the goodness of God and show them have Christ in their life and more values, what better way to give back? So we started this in our school, Kingdom Montessori. So that's the name of our group. It's Kingdom Montessori, because everything we do now going forward is going to be kingdom-based. If it took us this long to figure this out, it's all in God's time, and he had it planned out. And we're now... With COVID, with these vaccines and stuff like that, whether you're pro or against, it's the fact to give parents an option, okay? No one wants to stick their kid, well, I'm not gonna say no one, but majority of people don't wanna stick their, their child with the unknown vaccine. They're looking for answers. They're looking for help. Kingdom Montessori, we have the help, okay? So we provide that for them. And now parents can actually still keep their jobs, work from home or do whatever. They don't have to worry about homeschooling? Do I have to compromise my morals? Do I have to compromise my values? So we're just so blessed. And it's funny because you know my wife was always saying, like, I know I want to do something that helps. It's going to be good. I know it's going to be big. So throughout COVID, something good came from it. Another thing came from. It. <laughs> right.
1: COVID just keeps changing your life for the better. I'm telling you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Obviously, I know it's challenging for many, many people. But yeah, you said you see a need and then you provide a solution. Talk to me about that need. Why is there such a need for education right now, for private education?
2: We have the common core that they're teaching, critical race theory, taking God out of pretty much everything, these gender studies, you could be whatever you want this day or that day. I'm sorry, God made man and God made woman. Our heart goes out to people who are confused or who are stuck. Lucifer could work in many different mischievous ways, you know? We're just tired of people having to swallow that pill where big government tells us what to do. We're in an opportunity now that we could provide a service for those people that are hungry, that are needing, and kingdom building. We feel so blessed. We're going to take this by storm.
1: Yeah, you're right in the heart of it. Really, what you're describing to me is that you don't want the world teaching our kids morality. Like, you don't want the world being the ones to say, this is how you should live. And actually, really, if you take a closer look at education, which I'm sure you have, true education actually starts with the Word of God. It's actually God teaching us morality, and that needs to be our starting point. I saw a quote today that said, educate the boy and you won't need to discipline the man. Exactly. Essentially just means that all these issues that we have in society, if we can actually catch it in childhood, if we can educate these young people, it's really one of the primary ways that we're going to transform society is not by punishing people. Is the prison system going to save society? I don't think so but i think the education system if we can train up these young minds i do think that we can have significant
2: even world impact i totally agree it all starts with what starts with the children right it's sad how like just governments especially in new york how it incentivizes couples to not be married so one of the biggest problems between you know kids dropping out of school broken household when you have riots promoting let's break up the nuclear family That's a problem, it starts with the family. And once that happens, and you have a good education system with it, coupled with it, and another thing too, is that the Kingdom Montessori, we're not trying to teach kids to be robots. Sit down, answer to a bell, go on, next topic, sit down, boom, that's not how the real world exists. Yes, it does, but those people are stuck in what they call the rat race. And that's what we're trying to avoid. Most of the people who are just marching to the beat of the government, or those that are stuck in the rat race. I want my kids to be free thinkers.
1: Yes, man, I'm with you. I'm with you, heart and soul. I'm always looking for where's God moving? What's the move of God? Because I don't believe that... We as humans, even at least us Christians, we're not necessarily the initiators. I believe that God initiates something and then he calls his people to jump into what he's doing. And two of the big moves of God that I'm seeing is one, in the marketplace. I believe that there's a move of God happening in the marketplace right now. And two, I believe that there's a move of God happening in the education system, that God is starting to expose some of these things, even putting some of those indoctrinations aside, even just the way that we teach kids, we're kind of oftentimes, just to what you just said, not producing free thinkers. We're usually producing people that do what you're told, follow the instructions, get an A+, plus, but we're not necessarily... Producing creators, we're not necessarily producing entrepreneurs. We're producing employees. Go work a corporate job as opposed to being creative, challenging different things, having a critical mindset. This is just the beginning of what God is doing in and through
2: you. I appreciate that the schools now they'll teach you to be creative, but well, let's not be too creative. You know, keep it within this box. We don't even want to think outside the box. We want to take the box and throw it away. You know what I mean? That's what's going to happen. If you look at countries like Iran and China, there's a Christian movement blowing up like no one knows. And they're being persecuted. And it's funny, like the things that we complain about over here in the States. Meanwhile, these people are being persecuted. In New York and like, I guess, California, they're locking up toothpaste and razors so people don't steal them as opposed to locking up people that steal the toothpaste.
1: Yeah, coming back to the education system for a minute, I had so much energy as a boy in the public school system. I'd get in fights. I couldn't figure it out because I wanted to talk. I wanted to run. I wanted to play. I would literally start fights with kids in school because I just had too much energy. Finally, my parents figured it out. They put me in wrestling and all my behavior issues went away. My wife was a teacher for five years. I've seen oftentimes the naughty kids, they get recess taken away from them. They literally had a rule where these kids had to stand inside a little chalk box and watch all the other kids play during recess because they were too rowdy. Like the kid that needs recess the most gets punished by taking recess away. And so some of the things you're talking about, like hands-on and kind of getting our physical bodies involved with our education, I think is so important, especially
2: for young boys. With... Out a doubt. And that's one thing that I've learned, especially with teaching my son now. He's like me. He's got a lot of energy and stuff like that. And so they let them explore. So that's what the whole Montessori method is. They let the kids explore. They let the kids get that energy out. But now let's use that energy for something good. It's pretty great.
1: I love it. So you're launching this school. What's the long-term vision? I mean, do you think you'll start more schools? Do you think you'll help people start schools?
2: Yes and yes. So we want to launch as many schools as possible. We want to get this going. It's a movement. Our goal, like honestly, we want a thousand students in the next five to 10 years. If we could do that, how amazing is that? So the more students we get, the more that we could tie. So many families could be affected. I think we're so trained to think small. Like, oh, this is open up one classroom or two classrooms. Why? Why am I putting a cap? Why am I putting a ceiling? That's the old school way of thinking. We're going to take this by storm, man. I'm so pumped.
1: And picture what would happen if you have a thousand students that they're not just students going into kind of normal careers. These are a thousand world changers like you, a thousand people with vision like you, a thousand people with passion like you, a thousand people with a desire to lay down their life for a bigger cause like you. I mean, then that's when things really start getting excited because it's multiplication. It's not just you, but it's you producing more free thinkers like yourself that are producing more thinkers like yourself.
2: That's how we grow and blow this things up. It's so vast. It all starts small, right? You fix your home first, get your house in order, and then let's spread out. And get their house in order, and then they spread out. And that's how it is. That's it's trickle theory and not to get political or whatever, but- The only way we're going to get this country back is one kid at a time, is doing small things like that, like I said. I believe the only people that could save this country are just strong Christians who are willing to step out and take matters into their own hands.
1: So Joe, if there's somebody out there that they're connecting with your story, they're excited about what you're doing in this next chapter of your life, what's the best way for them to find you and connect with you?
2: As far as me, it's just my name, joe shiraldo at gmail.com, J O E S C H I R A L D O. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and our website, most importantly, is Kingdom Montessori. Montessori spelled M O N T E S S O R I.com. KingdomMontessori.com.
1: Perfect. You okay if somebody reaches out to you via social media or email, if they just want to chat with you more about some of the things that you shared?
2: Oh, 100%. And I would love to hear people. I would love to hear feedback. If anyone has any experience in that field, hey, listen, maybe we could collaborate. You could teach me things or I could teach you guys things. And I know my wife would love to get any more networking and stuff like that. I appreciate that. If
1: someone wants to sow financially into what you're doing, are they able to do that?
2: Not yet. We haven't crossed that bridge yet. Honestly, we just want people to sow into their kids and into their community first. Corny as that may sound. If we do in the future, I could see us having like charity events, something like that, some kind of functions. We'll figure it out.
1: (laughs) That's right. Well, hey, we're going to bring it to a close here, but was there anything else that you felt like, man, I really want to take this opportunity to share with our listeners before we jump off this call?
2: Life is a series of ups and downs, and it's a crazy roller coaster. And one thing I've learned is to never say never. Man, have I been proven so, so wrong? And once you actually let God into your life, man, there's no stopping you. Your life will be changed. It's crazy the lens that I see the world at and how I'm picking up on so many little things so many things out of the world has corrupted me to think and us to think and one thing it is you have to have a thick skin you don't have a thick skin man you're gonna break you're gonna fold like a house of cards and one thing that they always said once you accept christ back into your life and you get filled with that holy spirit that devil is right there when you wear like the king's council shirts or the jesus is king shirts you see people they look then they're like hey nice job yeah good shirt. Just let our actions show who we are. Most importantly, not all New Yorkers are bad people.
1: Well, Joe, I love you. You're an awesome guy. And it has been such an honor and a privilege to have you on the podcast today.
2: Oh, man. Thanks a lot. Anytime. Anytime you want me back, you let me know. Absolutely.
1: We'll have to get Monica on here next.
2: Oh, she's next. I'll prep her. Don't worry. (laughs)
1: That sounds good. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. Again, this has been an episode of The Chosen Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Spittler, and we will catch you on the next episode.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Chosen Podcast powered by the King's Council. If you loved what you heard, give us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcast. You can also watch this podcast and much more on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash King's Council Coaching.